Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Novel. Before we begin, this series features remarkable stories told by remarkable people. Some of the events they discuss and some of the words they use to describe their experiences can be, how shall I say this, quite colourful. This program contains strong language and descriptions of an adult nature. Listener discretion is advised. It was one of the most glorious days of my entire life, 75 years. It was one of the most glorious days of my life. There's a million people in San Francisco. There was hundreds of thousands at the parade. And I'm in a fancy convertible. And uh, I was almost levitating. I was almost levitating. This is Donna Persona. It's a real honor to have you, and I'm really looking forward to talking to you about your life. You have a beautiful voice, let me say. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Donna is a delight, and not just because she thinks I have a great voice. She's 75, with shoulder-length hair styled elegantly into curls. And she has the kind of confidence that comes with the contentedness of age, of a life well-lived. And of course, she's definitely not done living yet. But Donna's self-assurance also has another origin. It comes from the memories of friends long passed away, whose stories were almost written out of history. But who, over 50 years ago, were living rich, fulfilled lives as trans people when the odds were stacked against them. The more I hear of Donna's story, the more I feel like her present-day confidence is an homage to those past friends, an act of memorialization for everything they suffered through and a pretty powerful message for young trans people today. From the team at Novel, this is Call Me Mother, a collection of conversations with queer trailblazers. I'm Sean Fay. In each episode, I'm talking to a different queer pioneer whose story teases out a nuance of our shared LGBTQ plus history. By telling these stories, we'll show the richness and wisdom of our queer community through the ages. And in each anecdote from the past, we'll find strength for the present day. For this second series, I've gathered an eclectic mix of characters from the UK, US and beyond. 
all with something compelling to say about what it means to be queer in the world today. And we're beginning with Donna, who really is her own historian. I was born in Texas, and uh, my parents brought me to uh, California, to San Jose, when I was one year old. So I started my life in San Jose, California, and that's 50 miles south of San Francisco. San Jose is an agricultural town, so there was a lot of orchards, walnut orchards, prune orchards, apricot orchards. I'd go in in the summertime and uh, pick prunes, let's say, all day long. My father was a minister. I had 14 siblings. I lived in a house full of people. I guess, you know, close to the church. It was a religious life. We knew everyone that lived on our block. I knew everyone that lived in the neighborhood. I knew something or suspected something about me that I was not going to share with anybody. Not my parents, not my friends, not my siblings, because I got the message somehow that that was wrong. Donna was assigned male at birth, and this message of wrongness, she felt, was a difficulty fitting into the expectations that came with being raised as a boy. In grammar school, in middle school, and in high school, I was taken aside, taken into a room and talked to. And, you know, so that also made me feel like a freak. As a teenager, Donna was made to go to therapy. She was given psychotropic drugs, but she never really understood why. I never felt like there was something wrong with me, but I was getting the message. You know, I like to say it like this. People who are educated, who teach, who wear suits, think that there's something wrong with me. That said, Donna never felt this message of wrongness came from home. Even though my father was a Baptist minister and they were so religious, they never said to me, nobody in my family said, there's something wrong with you. They adored me. My family to this day adores me and I adore them. It's almost like they invented unconditional love. I think it saved me. It saved me. And it was Donna's father who would end up introducing her, albeit unintentionally, to that place 50 miles to the north that she'd eventually come to call home. One day in the late 1950s, when Donna was only about 10 years old, her dad took her to San Francisco on a preaching trip, and she caught a glimpse of a strange and enticing world. I was looking out the windows of the car, and I saw this guy who had his eyebrows plucked like a lady, like a woman would. This was a world where the kind of locked-up feelings Donna had about herself might be able to be expressed. I zoned in on that. It uh, acted as a marker for me. I want to come back to this city. I want to find out more about that type of person Uh, This is the place for me. Once she became a teenager, every chance she had, Donna made the trip back to the city to explore. 
I would tell my parents, oh, I'm going to go to the Young Men's Association at church on Friday. I'll be back later. And uh, I would get on a Greyhound bus and I came to San Francisco. Which is how she ended up alone in the city one night in 1965. I kept wandering around San Francisco and I ended up in the Tenderloin District, considered the most seedy part of San Francisco. Well, I went there and I came upon an all-night diner. It was open 24 hours a day. The name of it was Gene Compton's Cafeteria. But I saw these beautiful women hanging out in front of Compton's and... uh, turned out they were biological men, males. So I followed them in. Compton's was a typical all-night diner. It had black leather booths and lamps that hung down from the ceiling and lit up the room like orbs. The smell of burgers and fries, sliced turkey and mashed potatoes wafted across from the open kitchen. When the food came, each plate had a little paper doily on it. And this unassuming cafe was a meeting place for the beautiful women Donna had spotted on the street. Compton's cafeteria was like the home base or the office for these gals, uh, you know, because they were streetwalkers. When one of the girls would come back into Compton's, all of the other girls would look at that girl to see... Like, one thing I remember is, like, if her eye makeup, her mascara was running down her face, they understood she had a bad time. Sex work was, and still is, hugely dangerous for trans women. The girls at Compton's did their best to look after each other. They were a family. They were each other's sisters, and, you know, one of them was their mother. And I was their kid brother or, you know, the sissy that was a kid. They took care of me. They took care of me. They watched out for me and they watched out for each other. In the 1965 or so, these women were criminals. Everything about them was horrible to the city, to everyone. And um, most of them were throwaways. They were thrown out of their own homes and everything about them was criminal. And they never heard, they never found out that they weren't doing anything wrong. They never found that out. And to me, that's heartbreaking. Why did you stop going to Compton's? I'll say it like this. I knew that that wasn't going to be my life. They were uneducated. You know, they couldn't go to school. They couldn't have a job. They they were mixed up with drugs and stolen goods. I wanted a different life for me. I wanted to have, uh, you know, work. I wanted to get an education. And I didn't want to get beat up and uh, terrorized every day and go to jail and this and that. And so Donna left the cafeteria one day and didn't go back. She carried the memory of the place with her always, though. And that memory would one day alter the course of her life again. That's coming up. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. In 1965, when Donna stopped going to Compton's cafeteria, she set out in search of other adventures. And seeing as this was California in the 1960s, that wasn't hard to come by. I heard that you tried living in a commune. What was that like, communal life at that time? That was during the time where in San Francisco and in America, they became hippies, the hippie era. So I turned on, dropped out, and became a full-on hippie. I didn't strictly live in a commune. I would stay with them for a week or two weeks and... uh, make love to everybody in the house and then leave after 10 days. (laughs) (laughs) No, free love, free love. But free love doesn't pay the bills. And the keystone of Donna's life over decades has been her decision to go into hairdressing. I believe in a lot of magic in life. And uh, that was a magical choice that I made. It wasn't informed. I didn't know that within the cosmetology and hairdressing, that that was going to be a safe haven for a sissy or someone that lives like I do. You know, straight people that worked the industry accepted gays. And I did it for 50 years. I still do it. I had two husbands in my lifetime. We didn't get married or anything, but back then it used to be called my lover, my old man. I had one relationship that lasted 12 years. We lived together for 12 years, and I was the wife. He was everything to me. He was the only man in existence for me, but he was a slut. So I I left him, and then I, I met somebody else. We were together for 15 years. And then I left him. You know, I'm kind of uh, feel highly of myself or whatever. Like, nobody ever leaves me. There's no reason to leave me. <laughs> but I may leave you. 
I like, I like that attitude. <laughs> It's inspirational to me, definitely. In 2005, Compton's cafeteria found its way back into Donna's life rather unexpectedly. A transgender woman named Susan Stryker, she worked for the city of San Francisco with archives. And when she was on her off time, she would open these metal drawers in the archives and she would go through everything. And uh, one day she picked up these uh, newspaper story from the San Francisco Examiner or something telling about that night. You see, not long after Donna had stopped going to Compton's cafeteria, in 1966, the women she knew had decided to fight back. Whilst Compton's was a haven, a kind of office for the trans women who went there, staff at the restaurant frequently called the police on them. Nobody knows the exact date the riot took place, but it's all said to have started when one woman resisted an arrest, throwing a cup of coffee into the cop's face. The place then erupted, with rioting spilling out onto the streets of the Tenderloin district. The women beat police with their handbags and threw sugar shakers through the windows of the cafeteria. Many of them were arrested and hauled off in police cars. It was a retaliation against years of harsh treatment by police and the city more widely. But arrest reports were lost to time, and only a few small references were made to it in the local press. The courageous struggle of Donna's friends was, for a time, eroded from queer history in the city. Compton's cafeteria riot is now seen as one of the first LGBT riots in the US, predating the Stonewall riots in New York and a founding moment for trans activism in San Francisco. Susan made a documentary about the riot called Screaming Queens, and when Donna watched it, it was like she was right back there in Compton's with the girls. I was amazed at that story. And I thought, oh my God, I, I, I remember that. I was there. I was there with them. I loved the story that they had protested. They never did that when I was there. But, you know, I, I, they used to talk about things like how they were terrorized by the cops. This 59-year-old hairdresser was about to find a renewed purpose. From that moment on, Donna made it her mission to remember these women and their forgotten history. She made friends with Susan and began work to commemorate the women of Compton's. I was on a, a committee to bring a plaque, a bronze plaque, in front of Compton's. I was on a committee for over a year to rename a street right in front of Compton's for a transgender woman. And alongside this campaigning, she's come into a new confidence about her own identity. It was something she'd been mulling over for a while, but she finally felt happy to embrace it. Now I identify as a transgender woman. I didn't start identifying that way until I was 59. I never came out, but I will say I came in to who I am and my power. Over the years, Donna's become a kind of first lady of the queer community in San Francisco. She's a part of rights groups and history projects across the city. I'm the busiest gal in town. Like, I'm really acknowledged in San Francisco. And throughout that time, she's never let the story of the women she knew at Compton's die out. 
In 2017, she was approached by the playwright Mark Nasser to help develop a play all about the cafeteria and the women who rioted there. We had weekly meetings for over a year. This is the story of the riot as we imagine it. Why? Hey, why? Why? Why do you have to be like this? What did we do to you? The stories that we put in the play all really happened. We researched the history also and constructed it in a way that is a full story. And Donna's own story is a key part of the play too, with a fictional version of her younger self played by a trans actor. My character is Rusty. There's somebody that in the play that's uh, 18 years old, and that's me going there. The play opened in February 2018 and ran for 20 performances. It was an immersive experience, with the audience sitting in the diner amongst the characters, drawing them into the action. We felt our collective power that night. And in our rage, we forgot our differences and became a bomb ready to explode. And we did. It was wild. I almost like watching the audience more. And uh, I'm here to tell you, they lived it. They lived what was going on. I saw fear in their face. I saw tears. They cried. They laughed. They were so afraid. And some of them, like, would forget, like, they would yell at the cops. And, you know, (laughs) I mean, they got so involved. So I was in love with it. I was in love with it. Honouring her vital work preserving the history of Compton's cafeteria, Donna was made Grand Marshal of San Francisco Pride in 2019. And it was not just an affirmation of the women from Compton's, but of Donna herself of the person she had eventually become because of her encounters with them. As she puts it, the most glorious day of her life. And they're behind us right now. Here comes one of our first Grand Marshals in the parade. It's exciting, it's lifetime achievement, Grand Marshal. You have an interview with her there, it's Donna Persona. We get taken to a stage in front of 3,000 people. And I get out there, and what we did that day was we presented a 10-minute excerpt from the play. And then I spoke to 3,000 people. And uh, they were cheering me on. Life doesn't get better than that. <laughs> and, and then, you know, we ended up at City Hall after that, like the, the most elite celebration of pride. I'm there dragging a fur coat. And, you know, being everything. <laughs> I'd never want a bronze statue of me where pigeons can poop on. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, like, that's what fills me with joy. I tell this to people over and over again. Like, they say, what shall I do in life? And I'll say, well, live with purpose. Have a purpose in your life. And be intentional. And do something outside of yourself do for others. A lot of the women that you would have known at Compton's would not have lived to be like a great age at all. If you could, 
Is there anything you would say to them now, you know, looking back in retrospect or anything you wish you could say to the women who were represented in your work? I would tell them, I'm sorry, sweetie, that you didn't get that affirmation while you were alive. What you were doing was you decided to be authentic, to be who you are. You made that decision and you were terrorized, brutalized. Your life was a struggle, you know, every hour. It was just so much horror. And uh, I want you to know that you did nothing wrong. You never did anything wrong. You are beautiful. You are loved. You were loved then, and you're loved now. And you are heroes. Those ladies, they laid down the foundation for what transgender men and women need and use today, 50 years later. Call Me Mother is hosted by me, Sean Fay, with production from Pippa Smith. Rosie Collier, Sean Glynn, and Max O'Brien are executive producers. Research by Megan Oyinka. Production management from Cherie Houston and Charlotte Wolf. Austin Mitchell is our creative director of production. Maithili Rao is our managing editor. Gavin Haynes is our head of development. Willard Foxton is our creative director of development. Sound design, mixing and scoring by Daniel Kempson. Music supervision by Pippa Smith and Nicholas Alexander. Our theme music is composed by Eli Block. Special thanks to Lee Meyer, Oren Rosenbaum, Shelby Schenkman, and all the team at UTA. For more from Novel, visit novel.audio. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.